0: This is Blind Like Me.
1: Hello everyone. Interviews, information and reviews related to living with a vision
2: disability. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been visually impaired since birth. He's been in radio for 30 years and also hosts the podcast Inside Today's Country. Tim has never let his lack of vision stand in his way.
3: Well, hi and welcome to another edition of Blind Like Me. We hope you've had a fantastic week. I am Tim Black. Thanks for listening to us wherever you find your favorite podcast. We'd love it if you give us a like and a follow. And we'd love it even more if you'd give us a share. On this week's episode, we chat with Brian and Carrie Kajewski. Brian and Carrie are a totally blind brother and sister living in Ontario. I connected with them via a Facebook group for the Canadian Federation of the Blind. They both went through regular school. They have a very interesting story to tell and they've got a radio show in Ontario at the University of Western called Outlook. We welcome Brian and Carrie to Blind Like Me.
1: Thank you. Thanks so welcome. much for having us. Thank
2: you for having us, yeah.
3: Uh, first of all, let's start with Brian. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, yourself and uh, your vision or lack thereof, and uh, and then we'll talk to, to Carrie and, and ask so- the same questions.
1: All right, yeah, I was, um, I was born back in the 80s. I'm 33 years old, so... Um, I was born I was born blind. Um, Carrie and I, actually, both have the. She was born three years before me, but um, was born with uh, Lieber's congenital amaurosis, um, so barely any sight. I can see a little bit of light and dark, and a little bit of shadow, but that's it. And later on in life, around the age of eleven or twelve, when um, Carrie was diagnosed, actually, with kidney failure, and then um, they checked into me and realized I had the same same. Thing. It turned out that this all wraps up into an entire syndrome that we both have called um, Senior Loken Syndrome. It's very rare. Um, It's a genetic um, disease. And uh, yeah, it's very, very rare. You can look it up online. It's L-O-K-E-N, Senior Loken Syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so yeah, I was born with the the blindness. So I've been blind all my life, obviously. And uh, grew up in regular um, elementary public school and high school, Mm -hmm. which I'm really happy that my parents made that decision. It was a big kind of fight at the time because mm-hmm. grew up in uh, near Woodstock, Ontario, um, out pretty much in the country. Um, and there were schools, you know, we went to a school in the country growing up kind of hard to get integrated into the system at the time, but our mom was very um, persistent and uh, fought for us to be there. And I just think in the end, it really helped out. It kind of allowed me to feel like I fit in with everyone else was lucky to make lots of friends growing up in school. And it was just, all around, it was a it was a great experience. After gradu- graduating high school, I kind of took quite a few years off. I was kind of just exhausted from school and wanted to get out on my own and live on my own independently as a blind person. So I I moved to Toronto, which is quite a big difference from
3: Wow, from Woodstock. Woodstock to Toronto. There's a big jump,
1: a <laughs> big change. My uh, I've only had one guide dog, and my guide dog at the time didn't really like the change that much. Mm-hmm. Kind of hard for her to get used to, but uh, I really liked it. I was I've always been a huge fan of music since uh about eight or nine years old. I kind of picked up a guitar that was lying around the house and started playing a little bit uh, growing up. So I moved to Toronto after high school for, I guess, six, over six years. Um, there played a, lot, a bunch of shows, got used to living on my own. It was a huge adjustment, you know, cooking and cleaning and mm-hmm. all that stuff that comes with being an adult, all the fun stuff or not so fun stuff but it was really good learning experience and in some ways I wish I had went straight to college after high school but took that time because it allowed me to grow up a bit get experience living on my own and taking care of things and um so eventually I did actually end up moving back to London Ontario which is where I live now Mm -hmm. one of the reasons being um I, I currently was on dialysis my first kidney had failed at that point and um so yeah, I was on the waiting list, and in Toronto they said it could take up to ten more years. Whereas in London they said it could be a lot sooner. So I figured a new kidney. I'm sick of this dialysis. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna move to London. And then uh, the other reason being, I wanted to start school. Um, I'd looked into the program here in London, Ontario, at Fanshawe College, the music industry arts program. I looked into that back in 2005 when I graduated high school, but I was very discouraged then because, you know, all the all those programs use Pro Tools generally, which is like a Yep. Industry default um, digital audio workstation. And at the time, Mac computers weren't very accessible for blind people. Um, Kind of um, a letdown where I just didn't think I'd be able to get in. And even if I did, it would be really difficult. Um, But by 2013, I'd I'd heard a lot more that Pro Tools had improved quite a bit. And um, so I applied for the course. Um, I had to take a year of general arts first just because I had no post-secondary education. And it's a very competitive course. But then in 2014, I got into music industry arts. Excellent. And, uh it was a kind of a dream of mine to do, and then I took me an extra year, um, due to a few things, but I graduated in twenty seventeen from that program and now I uh host a radio show with my sister, which we'll get into more detail about later on, um, called Outlook. And I also well actually originally I started my own music radio show here in London at Radio Western, the university station here in London. The show is called Chin Music. So you can um you can actually find that on, on, on Facebook.
3: Excellent. What? Well, I'm, wow. What a story. Uh, and so many questions I have there, but I want to talk to the lovely and talented sister. So Carrie, tell me a little bit about yourself.
2: Born three years before him. Um, so I'm currently 36. We have two older siblings who can see actually. Okay. So, so yeah, our parents weren't expecting this when I came along. Uh, you know, it took a few months. My mom realized that something wasn't quite right with, how my eyes were mm-hmm. developing or something, and uh, she got it checked out, and then they got quite the surprise um, but uh, yeah, so I was growing up and I had more sight than Brian, so I was always compared to what I am now, it feels like I was I had perfect vision like I could I could see to draw, and I was a big fan of markers and bright colored pencils, and so I loved visual art when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in um, public school,
0: mm-hmm. like Brian said, mm-hmm.
2: and um, ups and downs until the kidney failure at age 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, teen years for everybody are difficult, but it was an extra added thing, surgeries and things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, I actually also developed some chronic pain in in my teen years, and so that sort of derailed me a little bit for a while until I discovered writing as my as my the vision I had started failing. Mm -hmm. Sort of slowly over time. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to let go of being able to see colors. And uh, that's how I discovered words. And since, definitely since my 30th birthday, when I started a blog, started to not be so afraid all the time of being, of rejection and things like that, that come along with writing and life. But I found that writing was the best way to express, use that visual muscle that our family. Our siblings are pretty artistic, also. So.
3: Mm-hmm. What do you do nowadays?
2: So, now, um, like Brian said, the last couple years we've gotten involved with more activism um, with the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Mm-hmm. And um, so I became the secretary for the Ontario chapter when we started in 2017. And um, since then, I've started working on their magazine, which is called The Blind Canadian. I'm the assistant editor there now. Okay. and uh, I'm a freelance writer, uh, and like Brian said, he and I started doing audio storytelling, which um, we grew up with, with set tapes and sounds, recording <laughs> recording people and sounds you know, to capture our memories and things, so we still like to do that as an adult, so this is a good way of still getting to do stuff, stuff sort of like that, but with Brian, I wanted to start a podcast, and with Brian's ability to you know, make things sound good in my my job, I guess, is producer, you know, coming up with ideas and things like that. And interview skills, which we're both, you know, trying to work on with our podcasting, which evolved into Outlook on Radio Western.
3: That's very cool. I, I, I applaud both of you for for what you're doing and what you guys have overcome. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, you don't hear often that it's a, a brother and sister that are, are, are going through this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, first of all, for Brian, The fact that okay, so your sister went through regular school was was there doors that were kind of broken down for you after the fact that Carrie had gone through school? Was it easier for you or was it harder?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's a big part about her being three years older than me, which is maybe good for me, but not always great for her, Mm -hmm. is she has been kind of a guinea pig in a lot of gone through these things first. And I think I do think for the school the schooling it was um you know, she definitely led the, led the way for that. So it did make it easier for me to transition in Mm -hmm. Um, plus a little bit easier too when there's two blind people in a school. So the, you know, the the braille teacher and the the people coming to work with us, there's not just one person, there's two. So it makes it a little even more um, easier for them, but it just, yeah, she definitely uh, through our mom and then through Carrie going through it first, it definitely made the transition easier on a whole.
3: Carrie, what was it like for you? Obviously being the, the leader of this.
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the, sort of struggle that Brian is sort of referencing here are like if you said our parents and our mom had to fight school board mm-hmm. things and you know to get us to get us these specialist teachers um, she she learned a bit of braille but she wanted us to have a Braille teacher and um, help in the classroom and things I uh, know going first I you know I've always kind of considered it an honor so I don't I don't mind we I joke about it um, and I had my rough time but it was always just nice to know he was there too. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. really alone.
3: That was going to kind of lead me into the next question. I mean, did you guys kind of, you know, get tired of having each other in the same school or, or was it kind of a comfort to have each other there?
1: I would say a bit of both because it was really, it was nice to have, have her. Like I said, um, she's definitely out of everyone and, she's the one i connect with the most obviously because of the things we've gone through and all of that so that it was nice to have her at school although we were 3 years apart so we weren't close enough in age that we were really i didn't really see her too much at school when i was at school mm-hmm.
0: um
1: you know i had my own own friends and own class so I, we we would take the like you know we would ride the bus together and for a while there we were kind of just, just not being able to see we were both, they, you know, they put us in the second seat from the front just for routine and all this stuff. And yeah. um, so we were, maybe there was part of me that was like, Oh, I don't know why I, you know, I wish I could be on my own and stuff. I would say on a whole, it was, it was a positive thing.
3: Now, Carrie, let's talk about independence because uh, Brian said, obviously he moved from Woodstock to Toronto. What was independent living like for you when you first started off?
2: Well, Brian, we we joke that I've been the leader in all of this just because of my age, obviously, and all these things, but in in as far as independence in adulthood brian sort of surpassed me a long time ago and i've always sort of looked to him and switched it up on him and looked to him uh in a lot of ways because he experienced some of the stuff that i just like I, I sort of said there with chronic pain and other things i didn't some of the markers i missed
0: mm-hmm.
2: um that he got to have the you know the young adulthood that i kind of seemed to have skipped a little bit mm-hmm. um but for me it was not quite as adventurous at all. I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't live in Toronto. I don't think Uh, I like, I like visiting and I like being able to visit my brothers who lived in Toronto and we're doing that Uh, It's exciting and stuff, but I couldn't have lived there. Uh, So Brian was always better at, at that. It felt like, and uh, so I let him take the lead. And so for me, it it was basically staying a little closer to home. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, My sister and I bought a house together uh, in um, 2006 but just in our town, the one sort of near where we grew up, where we mm-hmm. went to high school here in Woodstock. Mm-hmm. So her and I lived together until she ended up getting married and moving back to our childhood home
0: mm-hmm. with her
2: family. So now it's me living on my own in this house. And it's not, it's not as far away. I have family nearby, which I always find to be a comfort and stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm able to still do that a bit. But I've always looked to Brian, like, you know, traveling and taking, you know, being more adventurous, traveling to Toronto, I would be so afraid to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. But yet I was happy to follow Brian. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Sometimes I tagged along with him.
3: For Brian, what was the biggest, uh, one of the biggest challenge for you living on your own and and moving to the big city?
1: I think at the time, the big one was just being, I think the big city overall, I, I thrived in because being so into music and I'm particularly into sort of underground indie music so stuff that's beyond the mainstream so mm-hmm. Toronto was such a great city because there were so many shows so many bands would come there you know so I was in that environment and I just felt the energy there and I really loved that I would say just living on your own in general is a is a huge adjustment for anyone mm-hmm. um, and then being blind it just added something else to that like you know originally when I moved out I lived with a couple of friends and you know I made pizza pops in the microwave like that was pretty much the extent of my cooking when I was 19 years old but then you know over time you when you're on your own you realize you know I can't live off this forever I gotta I gotta learn how to cook so I kind of just through experimenting and asking my mom a lot of like questions and just doing it I got better at cooking I think at that time the big challenge was the guide dog she came with me to Toronto for a while but I just I was I was too young at the time it was too much to take care of so I ended up ended up sending her back and my mom Um, being such a nice understanding person, she, she took care of my dog while I lived in Toronto because it just, Mm -hmm. it became too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had it there for the first while, but it just, if you can't, if you're, if you're having trouble taking care of yourself, which can be a bit of an issue living independently, it's hard to take care of a dog as well. So I think a lot of it just takes confidence. Um, and you know, when I moved there originally, I wasn't very confident I would take cabs everywhere, but eventually it's just like got orientation and mobility lessons to, get a little bit of an idea and then from there I kind of do a lot of my travel just by um, trial and error and practice so Mm kind of just working on my confidence and just going out and doing it because you don't you only learn by doing and making mistakes so
3: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah kind of just took a lot of practice and
3: do you have a dog now
1: no actually um I had one guide dog and I got her actually quite young when I was 14 um this the school in Quebec um called Mira Mm -hmm. um they would give guide dogs to any age, um, based on someone's skills more so than their age. So I went there in the summer of 2001, had the dog and worked great for high school just with busy hallways and everything. It was really nice to have, but then, yeah, it just wasn't quite the fit. And then after, after she retired in 2010, I just haven't have thought about it in the future, but like too big of a rush to get another dog. Cause it is another responsibility and a lot of work. Certainly. Um, it has its benefits, but I also in some ways like the cane too. So yeah, I haven't yet. Maybe someday.
3: Carrie, what's uh, one of the pieces of technology that you use every day? Definitely
2: my iPhone. I would say um, it's just nice. I was thinking about it the other day that several years ago you wouldn't if texting was a thing, it, it wouldn't have been maybe so inclusive. Where it, you know, so it's nice that there are phones that allow us. to become such a a common everyday thing for people, and we can we can be part of that and be able to just you know do what anybody else is doing.
3: Ryan, what about you? I would say
1: the it's kind of a simple one, but the the music app for me, as I mentioned earlier, music's my main passion in life, and uh, just now that everything is so accessible, it's um, it's amazing how I can if stuff's not on i iP- uh, on Apple Music, I can upload it, but if it is, then I can just add it to my iCloud, and then it all syncs with my computer and my phone. So it's just amazing that way. I mean, I have sixty thousand songs in my iCloud right now. So wow! By that, oh, obsessive I am about that. Um, and then I would say the other big one for me, too, is, is Facebook. And the main thing for me with Facebook is I, I just think it's really great for um, connecting and promoting. And with music in particular, um, it just allows everything to be in one place. Instead of having to go to all sorts of different websites, I can follow hundreds of bands on there and then automatically hear when they have new music and, you know, keep up on all of that. So I just I find it's a great way for me to keep up on. A
3: lot of things. Let's talk a little bit about Facebook because uh, you guys, obviously, the how we connected was through a, through a Facebook group. Uh, you guys got to hear me talk uh, about a year ago, a part of uh, uh, an event that was happening for the Canadian Federation of the Blind, and we've actually had them on this podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Uh, Carrie, you're involved, obviously, putting the, the magazine together. Tell me a little bit about uh, you know, your thoughts.
2: It was a different uh, presentation. It was, it was, it's it's a different purpose. And it feels like you find a community. Um, everybody still has their own opinions, but it's nice to have a, a group of people that you come to care about. And you, it helps you not feel alone. Like as an adult, sometimes you feel, and Canada's such a big country, uh, so many provinces and territories and things that it, we just found this place that helped us, I guess, feel like, I mean, I felt like finally I could be with my writing, plus um, what I've learned from mentors I met through there, you know, I've learned about advocacy and how to better um, speak for myself. So it's, its you know, the organized blindness movement is just a, a different concept than I was, than I was ever told about before. And uh, yeah, it just came around like the perfect time, I think. And I just think it's a good way to educate people like, like I said, with our magazine, I'm proud that we have that publication,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, to to show what Canadians who are blind get up to like everyone else.
3: Talk to me a little bit more about the magazine. It, where is it going to go? Who's going to be able to get it?
2: So we release it on our website, cfb.ca, mm-hmm. um, if you want to read it there digitally. And we do um, have a certain amount of copies printed. So that we usually aim for two issues a year. Every eight months or so, kind of, it, it ends up being... Uh, And with COVID this year, you know, we're a bit tossed around and having to do things differently, but uh, yeah, it's nice having print print copies that we can hand out at like events and things. Um, And I've been able to, you know, use my writing skill for that plus learning how to editing skills Mm -hmm. through the woman who's been running it. And I just think it's a great, a great publication. Uh, So yeah, usually people, it's easier to read online, obviously, if you're, blind or visually
3: impaired. Excellent. Brian, talk to me about uh, the Canadian Federation of the Blind for yourself.
2: Yeah. So I guess it was introduced
1: to us by our good friend, Eric, who we've known actually since Carrie got her guide dog back in 1998. So we've known him for a long time. And he um, he was also, he had heard about the NFB, which is pretty much the same organization, but the US version, uh-huh. the National, Federa- National Federation of the Blind. So he had heard about it and recommended it to us. Um, so I got involved through that. And yeah, it really just became this sense of family that I never, you know, growing up uh, through, with with the CNIB and mobility and all that stuff, like I met some amazing people and it was a great help um, while I grew up. But I just, you know, with the CFB, I felt like it was a lot little, lot more inclusive and it had a, a very welcoming, friendly family kind of environment and feel to it. Um, so I really like that about it. And that ties into the mentoring part. And I, ju- I just really like, it's a t- tough distinguish tough to distinguish sometimes and remember, but how it's um, the Canadian Federation of the blind rather than for the blind, mm-hmm. um, because that makes me realize that it's anyone to know that it's comprised of blind people, or at least those are the voting members. Anyone can join this organization. right? Um, but it, it gives it, instead of saying it's for us, where it's like people are in a sense taking care of us, this is kind of us taking care of ourselves to work and working together. So it's just that whole um, democratic, group-oriented Um, getting together and all that kind of really inspired me and then especially going um, well we've been to both um, CFB conventions out in uh, out in British Columbia and then we also went to the NFB convention in Orlando back in 2018 and Mm -hmm. for me that was a really eye-opening experience like being in a a hotel with 3,000 other blind people like especially not even growing up in um, school for the blind or anything you know i had right. a couple of blind friends, but I didn't really know that many blind people. Mm-hmm. So I found like this was just such an empowering, you know, the fact that I believe I believe so much in independence, and this just really, you know, it really opened my eyes and realized how much potential blind people do have, and how we have to work on advocating, and we have to all work together, mm-hmm. or else things won't won't change. So
3: do you guys both find that that as a blind community, we we aren't connecting as much as we possibly should be?
2: Canada is a big country, but yet. Compared to the, the U.S., we're not um, we're not very good at speaking for ourselves. If you want something to get done, you start to realize, as you, I mean, I have as I've gotten older that you know a lot of this is sort of systemic and it's in society and it, it often starts with politicians, you know, that don't understand our issues.
1: Generally speaking, we are known as to be a little bit more passive than a country like the United States, so I, th- I think it's a little harder to um, convince people in Canada could work together more and i mean it's it's a tough for so many people and everyone has different different opinions and um and it's you know there are there are also so many organizations out there that it's hard sometimes to to convince people but i still always truly feel like going to that that nfb um convention in the states really opened my eyes to realize that just 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 seeing how organized it is there with so many groups for so many different issues and they're all blind people and they're all you know making these decisions and and contacting people in Parliament and doing all this stuff that I've just never done that it just really inspired me and made me realize that Canada could be better for blind people but we have to be the ones doing it not expecting our sighted peers or other people to be to make be making these decisions and getting involved
3: let's talk a little bit about your radio show the title is Outlook now tell me a little bit about Outlook Carrie uh, so yeah I mean
2: like we don't really think we would have had the idea to do it without first getting involved with uh, Canadian Federation of the blind. I mean, maybe we would have eventually got there, but uh, Brian was already doing his radio show. Uh, But uh, yeah, we just found, we had the perfect place to do it and we were offered the chance. Um, And so we thought it would be a good way to get our message further than we were with our podcast, you know, being able to have a, 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 a space um, on our you know radio dial anybody in, in london driving through, through town or whatever could hear us and and it just became this great opportunity that we really couldn't pass up
3: so who are you guys targeting who are you talking to
2: our, our sort of motto is um accessibility advocacy and equality so those are the three things we sort of talk about on on outlook and it's it's you know from our blind perspective but we like to talk disability in broader terms
1: i would say it's it's made for everyone um Definitely blind listeners, but even more so in some ways, sighted um, listeners. Because it's kind of like what how we say this show was inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Mm. We want to um, more so educate people, um, not, and it's it can be tough to do sometimes without coming off too too harsh or too um, but controlling. But we're trying to be like we're both not very serious people. We're pretty laid back and stuff when we want to be. So we, we try to keep it laid back, but we also do try to educate and uh, make the make the greater public aware of things like, for example, that you know I'm practically totally blind, but I can work a console at a radio station and mm-hmm. and do all the things it takes to, to put a show out like that. And so it is just very invigorating to to get out to, to anyone, but especially especially the sighted sighted people. And um, you know it's it's been great to get some some interviews. We've had interviews with both blind people and sighted people who have. Um, worked with blind people and you know, with our, our mom, we interviewed on the show, Carrie's former (laughs) violin teacher who was sighted. We interviewed her on the show. It was really interesting. Um, we interviewed someone recently, um, Ben Fulton, who had a guide dog discrimination case going on. So that was a
2: really interesting.
3: I heard that one actually. Yeah. Oh, right on. What's next for you guys? It's kind of tricky
2: right now. You know, we had big, big ideas, or at least I usually throw out the ideas, (laughs) um, about what we wanted to do. Uh, you know, looking to future, you know, as a writer for freelance, I'm, I'm getting used to pitching uh, stories and things. So I was like planning this big plan. It was going to pitch CBC because we right. thought we needed more representation. <laughs> there there. And, um, and now COVID's here. And it's really sort of just put us, stopped me in my tracks. And it's sort of, we've had to adjust now and do our show um, remotely. So, you know, we don't have that thing of going to the studio on a Monday morning, which got you in the right sort of frame of mind. Uh, So we're just trying to adjust outlook and see how we do and and see what happens with COVID, what's going to develop. But um, I'd like to keep going with this. And Brian and I, I think, do good work together. Mm -hmm. You know, we live separately and we need our space as siblings, Mm -hmm. uh, adult siblings. But at the same time, we do good work, good team. And we have like, you know, thanks for having us on here. We have a certain story that is... Made up of the both of us and and sort of how we've come along individually and siblings who've sort of shown each other the way. So I hope we can keep keep things going. We'll have to see, I guess.
3: I gotta ask before we let you guys go for today. Were there any big sibling pranks that you guys played on each other as blind people?
1: Um, on uh, on April Fool's Day once I um, I let Carrie's guide dog outside and then told her I didn't know where her dog went and uh, <laughs> she freaked out for a couple minutes. Oh. And then I don't. I can't remember back inside or what
3: happened oh, man
2: i think he did i think eventually he just let her in
3: wow Carrie, <laughs> yeah, you... I mean, that's
2: our biggest that's our biggest blindness one i guess yeah I mean, everything else is more you know what siblings normally do like sure. you know as the big sister he often listened to me and, and believed what i was saying so i would tell him things that weren't true you know mm. um and he'd believe me and then years later i'd say you know that thing i started when i was nine and you were six you know that that was just silly <laughs> uh, but things like that that have nothing to do with blindness uh, but then you do have those you know pranks that involve guide dogs
3: so. uh guys do you have a website for your uh, your radio show and for your podcast that we can share with other folks
1: we do have recordings of our radio show and you can find that at soundcloud.com slash outlook on radio western you can also find us on facebook too at outlook on radio western
3: Brian and Carrie, thanks very much for spending some time with us here on Blind Like Me. All the best to you guys with uh, with life and with Outlook, and uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys are going to be doing going forward. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a comment or suggestion about future casts, drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. Blind Like Me is a Tim Black on air.com production.